Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, welcome back to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans. My first guest is brilliantly clever, honest, utterly engaging and absolutely fearless, according to the Scotsman. And a man the Daily Mirror said is evil and should be forced to leave the country. That is Josh Howie and Scott Capuro. Take them in whichever order you can fit. <laughs> if the hat fits. How are you, gentlemen? Good, mate, yeah. Excellent. Feeling well? Yeah, all right. Have you done your usual social media little uh, round before you come on? There's I've always been a on it all selfie. day, struggling, yeah. struggling to communicate with people. Have you? Yeah. Reaching out, Doing my building best. our audience one by yeah, one. You know, I'm going to find them. They're out there somewhere. How about you, Josh? You've been social media. I just feel weird with the selfies thing. I can't, yeah, yeah. I still can't do the selfie. I feel... I'm always lurking in the background, looking like a, a headmaster who's walked into a classroom that's misbehaving and mm. doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, I need to get better. Ah, dear. This is our generation. <laughs> Anyway, let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages. Uh, we start with the Daily Mail. Don't they know there's a war on? I think that was from Dad's Army, although it may well have been a catchphrase from the Second World War. This is, of course, Boris, Carrie, and, uh, and the Mets' £50 fines for Partygate. We will be investigating the uh, vulnerability or not of that. Uh, the next one we have is the Daily Telegraph. People have the right to expect... Better, that is Boris Johnson's own assessment of his uh, mischievous uh, meanderings from the straight and narrow. And after the Chancellor's recent woes, this is the icing on the cake. The Independent have a picture of number 10 Downing Street, scene of the crime. Johnson becomes first sitting Prime Minister to break the law as Met Police fine him, his wife and Sunak, for lockdown party at 10 Downing Street. The Guardian says, PM, I broke my own law, but I refuse to go. And, uh, and an Andy Warhol uh, article in the banner. Financial Times, very similar take. Fines for breach of COVID law pile pressure on Johnson and Sumac. <laughs> Is that pressure they can? withstand, led by liars and lawbreakers. That is the male, uh, sorry, the mirrors unambiguous uh, judgment on the situation. The Times say Johnson refuses to quit over lockdown party fine. And the sun is our final one for this evening. I'm sorry, but I have work to do. So all pretty much going with the same story there. Let's dive into it. So we start with the dominant story of the day, fines, Scott. I'm very... Fines. I'm very... Well, yeah, I, I, it took a while to find the fine. 50 pounds, not very much, is it? Uh, is he paying that 12 times? Because there's 12, 12 penalties they were examining, wasn't it? Right. Even that 600 pounds, I think he can afford it. But anyway, he has apologised, given a full apology, confirmed he, uh, he paid the penalty charge, and he won't even discuss the idea of withdrawing from office. He says he has a job to do, he has a manifesto... Yeah to complete. Yeah, he's got, he's got to take this country lower. 
<laughs> That's what he wants to. Yeah, I have there... to say, I mean, just as you know, devil's advocate, I, I was annoyed about this. Uh, uh, but as time has passed, it feels, and, and of course that was the tactic, yeah. it does feel rather trivial now, doesn't it, with everything that's happening in the world? It doesn't feel trivial to me at all. In fact, I think it's a very cold night at the number 10 bedroom because the wife right. has to pay the fine as well, and yeah. that means less wallpaper for her. But I think the, a, lot a lot of people, people saying she's the Jada Pinkett Smith of, of Downing Street. One raised eyebrow, and his career is <laughs> over. I think. I I think also um, a lot of people feel like don't change who's in office now. We're almost at war. You know, there's a disaster at Brexit. We need to. Fi- but you know, you, you, Britain has changed prime minister during wartime before. I think they can do it. They did, but that's because yeah. it was failing on the war, not because yeah. he had a party. And we're not actually at war no. at all. And Chamberlain so. died of cancer before the end of that year as well. So what I'm saying is, then it's a milder case this time. Then we can fire him and move <laughs> yeah. on. You I've agree got this feeling. I mean, I think it was it was a significant misjudgment. But fifty pound fines. I know the mirror going. He's like the first prime minister to break mm. the law on the job. I mean, we all know that there are prime ministers who have committed worse crimes. Let's be honest about it. But maybe not being caught. In but a £50 fine, that is literally less than, you, it's at minimum £100 if you mm. just break the speeding limit. Yeah. Like uh, even on a small when, when other people were getting £8,000 fines. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I just paid more for smoking weed in a hotel room in Berlin. So I think, <laughs> that was just yesterday, I think he needs to really be punished for this. Yeah. Well, the, it, it does minimise it. Do you feel is the, the fines are too low? Or do you yeah, the fines are too low. The two things I would add to the plethora of discussion going on, number one is, is it a coincidence? I don't want to get too conspiracy laden, but Rishi Sunak, suddenly all this stuff has leaked about him, taking him seemingly for the moment out of the running, and then suddenly they announce the fine. It's so not it, a coincidence. No, they're briefing against each other. I think that's fair. Yeah, obvious. but to get that in, the timing of it is like perfect. Suddenly he was like going to be the alternative so they could yeah. go, all right, we've got someone who's pretty popular we could jump to. Now he's not as popular and he can release it and that keeps so him so back you in think the... there's a third party who are playing them off against each other? No, no, I think that, I think that, I think that they knew the fines were coming Boris, yeah. they released all released all that stuff about Rishi Sunak, yeah. and then then immediately on the back end of it, By comparison, put, it hey look now we well look we can't have him, so we might as well stay with Boris. Toby Young made quite a good point earlier, which is entirely in within you know his particular perspective on things, which is mm. to do with lockdown and COVID. But I, I think there was some uh, truth to it. This was on an earlier show on GB News when mm. I was talking to Mark Stein. He said that um, the great thing about Boris is now this has humiliated him over the uh, unreasonable uh, limitations he put on everybody else's liberty. Mm -hmm. Lockdown Mm. has been essentially demonstrated to not have been a good policy anyway. There is still always the threat from a lot of, there's a certain kind of mindset that would just love us to go back into lockdown and close Mm. the schools down again and again. They're still saying now. But under under Boris, he can't do that because he's been- He broke the law himself. He broke the law himself. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you get rid of Boris, you bring in somebody like Jeremy Hunt, before you know it, you'll have another raft of lockdowns. Uh, Mm. And a higher suicide rate because he's such a monster. I think that um, (laughs) Boris, in his defense though, was making so many excuses Mm. about his behavior, saying, well, these were events I had to attend, they were brief. And I was doing other things. I had so many meetings going on. I didn't know where I was. There was so. It, it sounds as if there's a like we're breaking up with him a little bit. Like it's a relationship ending, and he's begging us to stay. I don't. It reminds me. I mean, Sam, having drawn the comparison already with speeding fights, it feels to me like he needs to go on a party awareness course. Well, this is so the that he knows when he's seeing when. You know, maybe go to smart parties. Well, well, this is the like. thing. It seems like the police are actually investigating one party at a time. Yeah. Right. So they've only got to June 2010. Yes. There are more fines to come. 2020. Yeah. I'd like. Oh, a, sorry, 2020. Yeah, the fines don't go far back. That back. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll get away with this one, but as more fines come out. 
he's going to make it to the end of the round now. He's, oh. he's, he's, he's detached. You think, he's yeah, but he's, he's, like you say, but it's all those excuses. Oh, it was less than 10 minutes. Uh, it, yeah. I was a surprise party. When it's like him hanging out and doing karaoke, it's there's true. less excuses. Yeah, yeah, every word out of his mouth is a lie. We're so used to it now that people just want to be like, oh, God, he's... Oh, like Boris. Well. I do, it's, a, it's a depressing situation when the leader of the opposition can't I tell, say in plain English what a woman is and, and, the, and the prime minister can't say in plain English what, what a party is. Who you I mean, are we, redirecting yeah. we have, the way Boris does. Yeah, but we have... No, I said they're equally yeah. bad. And I'm those two things go together so well. They do. They, they are, exactly. Perfectly. It does suggest that <laughs> yeah. like, we're like less than five One's a bit confused, one's not confused. Now, when you get there, you'll know when you're at the party because they'll be telling you an ice cream. And if you want to speak to the lady, she's the tall one. Anyway, we go now to much less amusing events in Brooklyn, Josh. This is rather uh, alarming. Yeah, so on the uh, subway, uh, this is reported in The Independent, but other papers obviously have it. Um, and Brooklyn subway, there was a shooting. 16 people have been shot. Amazingly, none of them seem like they will die, which is mm. great news. Yeah. Might have something to do. Supposedly, he put on a gas mask and let off a gas canister. So I'm assuming that affected his visual Sighting, impairment yeah. as well. You're just spraying bullets around. Just spraying bullets. So, uh, but, I mean, as is always the way, you have looking at what the politicians are saying and they, how they sort of try to be, make some sense of it, but they always sound ridiculous. So the, the mayor, Eric Adams, said, has vowed to not let New Yorkers be terrorised. And they said, well... They are going to be terror. You know, you, you, you can't say that after the fact. No. And then you've got the governor, Kathy uh, Hockle, who is saying that uh, by, says the tranquility and normalness was disrupted by an individual so cold-hearted and depraved at heart that they had no caring about the individuals that they assaulted. Like it would have made a massive difference yeah, if, yeah, they'd yeah. if they'd loved the person they assaulted. It. It's all good. It yeah. probably would have been a better shot if they liked them. It sounds yeah. like an odd one, though, doesn't it? He, 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 he's... He sprayed these bullets around. He's disappeared into the crowd. He hasn't mm. cried out any uh, political slogans or, that yeah. suggest alliance with any political. I don't know. And I'm yet sure it we'll doesn't feel something. like it doesn't quite feel like the classic, you know, psychopath. The classic you know, American just big shoot 'em up like, thing. There's bits yeah. missing from this. It just well, already, like the, already they're, they're releasing ideas that he's a copycat or a larger conspiracy at work in New York. I mean, right, we yeah. don't see any signs of that, but it could be happening. So well, the already. first thing I saw, and you've got to be careful of this now, haven't you? On Twitter, for about three hours, they were going, there were unexploded devices were found. Yeah. There were no unexploded devices. This was a complete fantasy. Yeah. No. And this stuff spreads very quickly, and it then does. people do get terrorised. I mean, that is stuff that really worries people. And the, you, the, the, uh, the subway in New York is already, you know, I was just there. It's quite... Mm, it's quite unsafe. You feel you don't feel there's a lot of people living down there. Yeah, and you, you feel like you're getting in the way. People, are, you're walking through people's living rooms. Seriously, it's better than it used to be, though, right? It had its bad days in the '80s and, and the '90s. I think it got cleaned up a bit from then. There was a time when it was really yeah. grim, right? Yeah, I think, am I right? I don't it know. feels I pretty grim now. The, I, it feels the broken it, all, windows. The trains don't feel like they're running on time. It's just it feels like the money isn't being invested in it. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I mean, even in in London now, all these big cities post lockdown are not quite the same as they were before. I think New York's got that same slightly mm. kind of unreal quality. I mean, not as although in Berlin you can use your Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wednesday's Telegraph. Now this is more Tory woes, Scott. Yes. There, it, it, it appears as though a, a, a Tory person has made a comment in favor of the Extinction Rebellion and set off, you know, sound waves within his own party, saying, yeah. how could he support? <laughs> ben... he's, he's a known eco-nut, though, isn't he? Ben well, Jones? I don't know if he, you call him an eco-nut, but he is in support of <laughs> ecological uh, processes. Well, Ben Goldsmith, he's from a very famous, very wealthy family, and um, he said that he is in support of Extinction Rebellion 
and protests himself against oil refineries. He's um, concerned about the future of the UK and mm. the world. And he said, it's not really a good look, is it, to be um, supporting policies that diminish UK standing in the environmental Mm. world. There's which, a lot which of money do you think they do? Which, ones, which policies are those? Well, he, he, what, what he's in support of with Extinction Rebellion, exactly, is that they do, um, they're, they're, they're pushing environmental movements by doing public displays. Oh, I know what Extinction Rebellion is. Right. Is he saying Ben Goldsmith? Is he well, he's also... He's a member of the Tory party, but he's, but he's he unhappy is. with their direction? Well, he's actually trying to criticise Labour because right. Labour was saying, we need to stop these guys. And he's going, hey, that's not a good look, Labour. Uh, These guys have a point. Yeah, yeah. Which is, no. yeah, okay, we know that yeah, yeah. there's a point there, but when it's affecting ordinary people's lives, when you had that fo those footage of people trying to get to hospital mm. and they couldn't get through people trying to visit mm -hmm. dying relatives or whatever, I mean... It's a very... It's, partly it, it, it distresses people who have somewhere to get in a hurry, and that's, that's seriously bad. That's usually what but it is. But also, yeah. I think there's a, it seriously damages the eco ecology movement, which, mm. joking aside, obviously I do have a lot of sympathy with, because it makes it look as if it's represented by a bunch of cranks, very sort of mm. passive, weedy, the sort of people who glue themselves to things. Well, they do yeah. glue themselves that's like Because they're too lazy they're to do anything. It's, it's a really bad look for the environmental movement, isn't they, it? Yeah. They, well, it's like what they you want lot, is... They bring a lot of notoriety to the movement, but, yeah. but not very much popularity. No. Yeah. And they do a lot of, you know, guerrilla gardening, and they do, like I said, puppetry shows, and they try they to not... They dance around cabbages and broccoli. They do, and they try to not stop traffic too much. And it's a difficult situation for them also, because they have very... They, again, they're potent, but they have very little funding. And um, their opinion is they are not eco-fascists, as they've been labeled by some Tory mm. members. I would like to see eco-fascists. That would bring a bit of zing to the situation. <laughs> <laughs> proper. But, and they do try to bring zing. They do try to, st to, to stop people and make them think. When you say traffic, I know the thing about getting in hospitals is difficult. But they do try to disrupt people's lives and, and, and let them see what a real disruption could be like if really the environment falls apart is what they're mm. trying to do. I don't know. I think a lot of them, I mean, certainly a lot of the leaders have very dodgy political beliefs and They've whatever. They are extremists. Some of them are yeah. extremists. I don't, I don't feel that way about them. I feel like they're, they could be doing actually more, if you ask me. I think that situations like there, what's happening in the Ukraine right is a perfect example of how dependent we are on, you know, fossil fuels and how we need to remove ourselves from that. So Yeah, but the question is, is it an effective way of advancing that agenda or does it make... Have you got another one? Because it's the only one I see that's getting any press right now. And maybe no, it's getting no. press because There's people like freak shows. No, things, yeah. There's an awful lot of conversations being had by people who do... Conversations. It. No, no and actual action. Yeah, so, is there very little activity, energy, I think. wind power has advanced massively. Uh, None of it is uh, being I advanced see, by these Nazi hippies. I see mm. the... <laughs> they're not Nazis. And, I, and, I, and I, you look more like a Nazi than no. they do right now, actually. And I see what's happening is a lot of European money is going toward funding a war that the Russians are doing in the Ukraine, not the other way around. And that's really paying Russia for oil and fuel. Because what yeah, people yeah. are worried yeah, about but right now, what... let me finish, is that it will cost, say, Europeans in the EU, not here so much, $2,000 a day if we remove Russian gas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, okay, how much is it going to cost us for a war that's going to explode within three years? I mean, he's not going to stop. I don't see why people think he's going he's gonna to end what he's doing. He's doing pretty well right now. Okay. I, 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 I don't... From the yeah. but, no, I, I don't mail. think we have. I think they're connected. Wednesday's Mail. And following in the tragic death of Sir David Amos, there are musings that a cornerstone of British democracy may have to change, Joss. Yes, so the surgeries, is it? Yes, yeah, so the uh, so, uh, Sir Lindsay Oil, the yeah. uh, common speaker, is admitting that some MPs might end their face-to-face -face 
um, meetings with their constituents. Yeah. Uh, with what's happened, obviously, uh, Joe Cox was killed five years ago, murdered by a far right person. Um, in her surgery, though. No, no, and yeah, so David Amos was uh, murdered in October, which seems so close, re so recent, so much mm. has happened, but by Islamic uh, extremists. Um, but the way that he's, that he's talking about it, first of all, he's quite funny, and he doesn't mean to be, but he can't help but keep on saying, I'm still going to be seeing my people face to face. He's sort of saying, everybody else, he says it like twice in this interview, like, oh, every, you know, some people are going to be using Zoom and some people are going to be, but I'm still going to meet my constituents. And then he says on the day of, after the day of the, on the day of the murder, he's like, you know, after the murder, and I went in, I still saw my constituents. So he's very keen to prove that he's still going to do Is it. Is it not possible, though, for them to install some fairly basic security? I mean, there are schools now that you have to walk through a, uh, you know, a metal yeah. detector to make of sure you're it, carrying a of, of, of course, it's, it's yeah. of course it is. It's straightforward to do that, wouldn't it? But it's a shame. Yeah. It's not, but, it mean that we but, but the other thing is that he's also, when he framed it at the time, and he still seems to be framing it like this, where he's talking about having an end to hatred against MPs and a kind of form of political uh, discourse... It was a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. It was a terrorist. You're not going to get that, that from the a terrorist. they tried to make out it was all about social media. Yeah, and all of that. You know, it's like... Everyone has an agenda. They immediately try and harness these things. Like you know, when I met with uh, my representative, Tara Hamlet, a few years ago, before any of this, of course, occurred, mm. um, she had quite a lot of security around her yeah. at the meeting. And I, I was surprised to find out that not all of them do. Mm. You would think... I think Amos lived in what was regarded as a fairly sleepy constituency. Tower Hamlets is obviously fairly urban. You know, there's mm. a slightly different vibe. I have no idea what it would be like. My folks live up in Norfolk. And the last time I had my lunch with my dad, there was a... They have a sort of lunch club and they were... Um, the MP, you know, was, was coming along. I didn't see him, but he was coming along later that afternoon. They, they just all sort of drop in and they're quite chummy and he'll... No security with him. No, no security at all. It's just like a bunch of farmers and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's I kind think. of. Well, you never know. But that's a different do. vibe, isn't it, in different parts of the country? And I think a lot of people regard their MP and their access to their MP as emblematic of the, of the the uh, the culture of the local culture of the community they represent. But access doesn't mean you can't have security around you. No, it doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it would be it would make sense to have it's metal detectors on the door in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, honestly, the, you know, you, you often feel that there's a. Uh, there's too much security in some places and not enough in other places, and, and it would be really good to just take a step back and just think, OK, what are the likelihood of, of a certain person? Well, pretty high, actually, now, mm. so let's do that. But maybe we could just remove somebody from the front desk at the National Gallery or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the getting into is like trying to, trying to get out of Soviet Russia. <laughs> J.K. Rowling, this is our last story before the break, has gone out for some time. Uh, she's gone out for some lunch, and um, and it seems to be it seems to have annoyed people. It's in the Times. Uh, she she had lunch with Maya Forstater, who she supported in 2009 with a hashtag that kind of set her. 2019. Off. I'm sorry, you're right. Ah, I'm reading it too, and I said that you're right. Yeah. 2019, and it set her off on a sort of a journey that she's. Um, yeah. You know, really involved in now, and I, I I do wonder why she she did it she. J.K. Rowling, if you remember, did a hashtag, I stand with Maya, and Maya Forstater is someone who made some comments at her work mm. in support of the idea that you cannot change your sex. Biological yeah. sex. Exactly. And um, that she also, I, I was reading about the case, she did also ha hand out a pamphlet or two mm. in support of her own beliefs at work. Mm. And she thinks she lost the position she had within the funding for the company she was working with. They told her that her her work had been too narrow. And she said, no, the reason I was fired is because of my 
police yeah. situation. She created a sort of a feeling of unsafeness at work. But what about the lunch, though? That was like three years ago. What, it was. And they hadn't met. And she'd planned something for Christmas that it got it hadn't happened. J.K. Rowling. So finally, they had lunch this Sunday right. in Richmond. And it was they, just two people, just two no, friends. No, no, no. It was a bunch of people. There were other right, people right. there. Uh, Catherine Stock was there. So and this a lot is of the one that um, Suzanne... Um, yeah. Moore. Moore. Yeah. Was that, yeah, as well. Basically, yeah. a bunch of leftists feminists yeah. and lesbians I, I don't know that they... for women's rights who have, <laughs> yeah. who have gone had lunch meeting up with each other yeah. and the internet particularly twitter has gone totally berserk they put these photos up and first of all the abuse they got just utterly misogynistic. So this, all about this is just look. selfish from the... Yeah, from the so left. all of these trans activists... Like the kind of stuff I, you're saying, the abuse right now, is what you mean you call them lesbians and left-wing? Well, you don't know the, their politics at all. Well, I do know their politics, because I know all of those people very well, and I know yeah. exactly what they stand for. <laughs> and the point is that they... How is it abusive calling someone left-wing and a, and a lesbian? <laughs> no, they, that's that's you're not of fact. My point is... Susan Moore's not a lesbian. I, don't know I didn't say... Yeah, but she is left-wing. And yeah, that's not a bad thing. I'm just... What I'm saying is that they're being attacked like... They're like the most evil human beings ever, and the way they're being attacked is their uh, by their looks and uh, just and the misogyny that's being outpoured by these trans it? activists. They've had that. It's disgusting. We had a comic, Rosie Jones. I don't know if you know, very funny uh, comic, and she said she sees this photo and she was like, "Oh, it just makes me angry, crying about these photos and stuff." When I saw that photo. Of that, of those Who women. Who said that? There's Rosie Jones. She's a comic. She's sort of newish. She, I know newer her. Yeah, yeah. She said, "Oh my God, it made me. I was crying when I saw this photo. It makes me so angry." When I saw that photo, I felt gratitude because those women, yeah. the stand that they have taken over the last few years, at great personal risk, rape threats, death threats, losing yeah. their jobs, they have woken up me and many other people to what has been going on and the dangers of the trans movement against women's rights. But do you not think that, I mean, I saw this, this story bubbling and I may have missed some of the abuse they got from the trans people, but the main thing I got was that there was some suggestion that uh, this was what women do and how they get, how they, they kind of, how they triumph, they have lunch and they get together and they talk. And then somebody else said, you know, there are people in Somalia dying of starvation. Well, but, you know, not all women can afford to have lunch to sort things out. They were saying, yeah, people look at those it, iPhones. It, people it, exactly. IPhones. It seemed to me the most extraordinary attack. I mean, J.K. Rowling is very nearly a billionaire, and if she isn't, it's because she's, she's given a lot of She's the only person away. who's actually made herself out of being a billionaire she's by just, donating to charity. Yeah, she's allowed to have a decent lunch with some friends sometimes, isn't she? It's not, yeah. it's not quite like David Beckham's just, son's it, wedding or something. old-school misogyny, like you're saying. It does Absolutely. seem to be, doesn't it? It's extraordinary. Anyway... That is the end of the first half. Time and tide wait for no man, nor does the GB News advertisement. So watch them absorb their commands by their wares. See you shortly after the break. Welcome back to Headliners. And joining me are Josh Howie and Scott Capura. Wednesday's Times now. They say adversity will show you who your true friends are. It seems like Putin has a best friend in the Belarusian leader. Yeah, so uh, Lukashenko has uh, basically come out and said that those horrific images that we saw uh, last week in uh, Bukha, mm. um, were, it was all the fake and it was all made up by the British, basically. The British? The British. We are now responsible, uh, supposedly, for creating this uh, fake narrative and we went in and put the bodies there and he says he's got all the... License plates and the models of cars and the passwords and addresses. And he says, "Yeah, come and I'll, I'll give you all the information." And then <laughs> he tried to get it. Like, uh, no, yeah, no, no. We don't. I mean, if you were really going Tim Fall hat, it's almost quite good news for Britain that we're the ones that have been identified as faking this. 
it mm. suggests that we are now seen Actually as a threat. You know, as yeah. a threat, as, as staunch allies of Ukraine, which is what Ukraine have said as well. Mm. This seems to stick in the craw of some people, I think. Well, I think Boris going there was, was good leadership, and I think yeah. that they're intimidated by any Western leaders who are showing up. I mean, mm. it's such a dangerous area. It was hilarious time. watching him walk around Kiev just in his suit after there were pictures of him in, in Liverpool, remember, in, in like riot gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few months ago with like hard helmet on yeah. visors. It was extraordinarily good PR, wasn't it? Walking around uh, Ukraine. And he, he looked he like looked... he needed to be there. And he looked yeah. like he was there, not just in support of the Ukraine, but in support of, of, of British people supporting Ukraine yeah. as well, you know? But the Belarus thing is, it's they are like, uh, I don't even know if they're helping Russia. They're such, a, they're such a failed state in themselves, aren't they? You know what I mean? Well, they're, yeah. they're the Russia's greatest ally. Yeah. Well, closest yeah. ally. I closest say, not ally, greatest. yeah. And I suppose but. a pincer movement to some extent. And I'm sure they're afraid, they're afraid of their own safety. They're as, as frightened about Russia as they are supportive of them, I think. Do you think so? I, I'm sure they are. I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, he's made it very clear that he doesn't want to stop and anyone who opposes him is, is a target. Mm. And they can't afford to defend themselves against Russia. I mean, the Belarusians are seeing what's happening in the Ukraine. I'm sure they're, they're quite alarmed by it. Wednesday's independent now. This sounds like a family you wouldn't want to get into a barroom brawl with, Scott. Oh, right. Well, well these people, I, they're being labeled as um, Irish drug runners. They are uh, drug enterprisers worth over a billion euros. Drug enterprisers. That's what, they, mm. that's what one of the newspapers <laughs> called them. And it appears as though they're one of the most powerful drug families in the world. And this one of the members poses himself as being a, a, a boxing aficionado and a promoter of boxing okay. events. He wants to be yep. seen seriously as that. Yeah. And he, he was arrested in Spain not too long ago. And the, the families seem to travel between Ireland and Spain and they're in conflict with another family called Hutch, the Hutch Gang. Okay. The same. Yeah. And so the, the amount of violence that's been displayed by those two families in the last few years, 18 people have died. The amount of money that's being spent protecting themselves and ripping off other people. It, it's come to the attention of the U.S. government, yeah. who stepped in to try to help Ireland deal with this problem. Oh, that's quite impressive. So, well, they've said that they've, they've put out um, a $5 million reward for information on these Irish people, the mm. Kinahan family, and Kinahan. some of them are not. And we're talking about what cocaine, are we? Is it these, the standard sort other of thing? Other things too. Yeah. I think, yeah, oh, okay. cocaine as well. Right. Christy Kinahan, Daniel Kinahan, who wants to be seen as a boxing promoter, mm -hmm. and Christy Kinahan Jr. Christy, by the way, is a guy, and they are the heads of this criminal network, and they, they're, they're trying to find them. And there any any hints as to where they are? Although I can't imagine giving a hint about where they are. Well, you've got to make it a decisive hint, wouldn't you? Yeah. You wouldn't, you know, you draw your sword against anonymous, the king obviously, and clan, yeah. you've got to throw away the scabbard. I mean, I was reading this and sort of thinking, yeah, these guys are real baddies. Mm. To, to, of those 80 people, two of them were just innocent bystanders. Not that's right that the other 60 people got murdered. But um, I just still don't understand exactly why the US has got involved. I know Biden thinks he's Irish. Yeah, yeah, he but, really does. Uh, but I think maybe it. this is taking it too far. Maybe they've got a, um, a pitch in for Netflix as sort of Peaky Blinders. Yeah, coming, yeah. yeah. It must have something to do with the, the fact that they're supposed to be, their, their addresses in the UAE. So I wonder if there's some sort of connection oh, okay. there too. That, that's, a new, that's part of the new triangle, is it? The it UAE? Is. I guess okay. so. And I think uh, somehow the drugs come in through there and get to I still places. remember the old days of the Vieux Port at Marseille. Those were the days. Yeah. Maybe they just want them to pay taxes. For but this sure. is the, the funny thing. The, the Garda commissioner says, he, what he said, they can run, but they can't hide from justice forever, adding that eventually they're going to run out of money. 
And then it's second, second, yeah, four. Yeah. Oh, and they've got a billion dollars. <laughs> it might be all right One for a little bit. One thing runners very rarely run out of his money. <laughs> Wednesday's Times, it seems as though our AI overlords are going to be reigning over us sooner than we think, John. So, yeah, this is actually in Malaysia. Okay. Uh, and it's been trialled in a couple of the provinces there, a couple of the states in Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, they have used this AI to sentence rapists and drug dealers. Supposedly uh, okay. they're using that because that's, they've got the most information about those two particular crimes. When you say AI, what, what do you mean like a glorified calculator, really? Though, yeah, they've basically yeah. put the, all the inputs in and then yeah. something they've sort of... Re- then it'll come out with a sentence. Uh, the judge can then choose... So they use all the, the, the metrics that a judge would normally use, do they? Yeah, I guess so. They've said they've tried to make it like without racial bias and trying to mm. account for these things. But at the same time, there's some very weird questions here. Like, supposedly, like, the victim is asked, uh, have they suffered psychological di- um, dispre- uh, distress from being raped? Like, it's a yes or no answer. It's like... I don't even That's know why. That's going to be a yes. Yeah, then, I don't it? even know why. It's an interesting thing, though, when these things come in. I remember reading years ago that they uh, it was demonstrated that, that most firms have a more successful hiring policy if they if they make the, uh, they call it AI, it's really just a computer. It's not that complex. It's not like playing chess. But it's more an algorithm. an algorithm. Yeah, an algorithm yeah. which assesses candidates rather than having the interview stage, which all the old-fashioned bosses think, I need to meet the person to see whether they're going to fit in here. In fact, they don't need to do that. In reality, that is almost always where the mistakes come in because they think, I don't know, I didn't like him. And it's like, it reminds you of, a, you know, your son-in-law that has annoyed you or something, or, or, or you, you have some bias which you're not even aware of. It was and these algorithms eliminate that. I think there's something to it. And I think that's what they're hoping. It also speeds things along. But I, I remember watching that documentary on Netflix about the McCanns and the police, the head policeman who was doing the, 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 the thing in Portugal was saying, I could see in her eyes that she had done this. Right. And it was that kind of thing where you think, well, yeah, yeah. They, they read all these messages and things in people's faces and their eyes, and mm. all this body language, complete, uh, inaccurate. Often. And they use words like nuance or judgment or, yeah. uh, you know... They're, they're, Gut feelings. Or yeah, that, judges that like to think that they're, they're, it's not purely a science, that there's an element of art to it, but the art leads them astray, I think. Well, the interesting thing was that there are other countries that are already doing this. Estonia okay. has doing small claims, but also... Estonia. In, Estonia and China, they've had 3.1 million cases been done uh, by an AI judge for, it's, they call it like the internet court, and it's all small yeah. claims, copyright stuff. I suppose right. it's small claims stuff, maybe it's good. I mean. Well, that makes sense. But I think possibly with, with, the, with the larger cases as well, you never know what it might be possible for them to dispassionately assess a murder at some point, you know, just based on the evidence. Well, we have juries, of course, for that. It seems to be they're pretty well trained for it. I mean, I think if you're going to change someone's life in the long run, like really change it, you, they kind of, everyone should be in court. Mm. I presume this is, this is a, a, a tool given to the judge. It's, it's given to right the judge the and judge. they can choose yeah. whether they're going to do it or not. Yeah. Well, it's the path we're on, I think. Teachers and porn next. This is from Wednesday's Guardian, Scott. Well, the National Education Union uh, is going to explore dehumanising impacts and the prevalence of material that shows the humiliation of women that, stu- that stu- their students are, are exposed to. Uh, apparently, there's a prevalence of pornography within the educational system that teachers are very uh, frightened about. Prevalence about. of the, among the, the, the yeah pupils. kids kids have yeah. prepubescent and pubescent have a, a, an yeah. incredible access. Well, anyone who has a smartphone now can see whatever they want. And they're, they, yeah. they're saying that about ninety um, percent of girls and fifty percent of boys are reported that. Uh, Sorry, either, how many of which? Ninety uh, percent of girls and fifty percent of boys in two thousand twenty-one to Ofsted reported that they uh, either they or their peers had been sent explicit pictures they did not wish to see 
a lot or sometimes. And I like, think teachers have no, they, they just, they don't feel like they can control it. It's just no. But the words there are, they did not wish to see it. It's interesting that 50% of boys yeah, yeah. Yeah. were pretty happy. Yeah, probably got some of the same right. amount. Yeah. It may be the boys are sending more than girls, obviously. But also, I think it, 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 teachers just want a bit of assistance with this. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely. And this is, they you know get to them at that age, 11, 12. Explain, I mean, I set my son down. He's not doing any of that stuff yet, as far as I know. He's not gone through puberty. But I set him down. I said, look, mate, you're going to see some stuff, friends, whatever it is. It's not real. Mm. And you've got to understand that before the get-go. Yeah. And that they need someone, and they're not not everybody's going to be as amazing a parent as I am. But initially, they need someone in I think the thing is, it's, fine. It's, it's, it's a good good thing to tell your kids, but I think the way they use, I suspect the way they use pornography, uh, uh, 13, 14, going through puberty, just out the other side, is more like as a sort of playground weapon. The, the idea of sending somebody, you know... No, but I think they are having access to this stuff, and it's yeah. very adult, and there's physical violence, and, whatever, yeah, yeah. and it's teaching them... As in their sexually formative years, this is what sex is, and then they go out, and when they start becoming sexually active themselves, they they mimic it. And that's, that's an issue. Like, but it sounds like on this occasion, what we're talking about is a slightly different issue, which is that kids will use shocking images in order to create a, get a reaction from. Well, they're worried that they're seeing a lot of um, violence against women and dehumanizing women yeah. in this porn. So, I think the conference itself is just going to try to come up with some sort of statement that they can tell, like you're saying, to parents, yeah, and to families how to deal with something like this, yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, it's a big part of it is having parents, though, that are willing to have pretty much any conversation that might come up, you know, and yeah. it, it can take a, a certain amount of... Uh, you don't have to show them the stuff. You just no. have to make them aware, look, mate, this is just that you're going to see some yeah. stuff and you've just got to be aware about, even if it's yeah. meant to look real, it's not, and all yeah. the, you know, um, they need to be educated ahead of the fact. So I did it when it was about four. <laughs> part two is at an end. I know we say this every night, but part three stories are even more ridiculous than normal. Disobedient <laughs> autonomous cars, the worst babysitter in the world, and a whole lot of Viagra. See you in part three. Welcome back to part three of Headliners with Josh Howey and Scott Capuro. A video has gone viral of an autonomous car utterly disrespecting the police. This is uh, in Wednesday's Times, mm. Scott. In San Francisco, a police officer pulled a car over because they didn't have his headlights on. Right. And he went to the window and tapped on it, tried to get in, realized there was no one in the car. Scary. Yeah. When you're, when you're in San Francisco, you see a lot of these cars driving around. Do they're, you? They're, yeah. I thought they were Jaguars, but again, they're that too, but Chevrolet Bolts as well. And they're, um, again, driverless cars, driverless taxis, but they're also taking photos constantly of the area for Google oh, and all yeah. sorts of other services. So there might not be anyone in there, no passengers Oftentimes in the back, nothing at all. Is, and if you see someone in there, they might not be driving. Oftentimes their hands are not on the wheel. I think we may have a clip. Do we have a clip? Of the police officer himself. Oh, here it is. Yeah. And you can hear someone yelling out, this is crazy, there's no one in the car. The thing is, I feel really sorry for that police officer because you could tell he was really looking forward to beating somebody up. He really was, or shooting somebody. Yeah, yeah. just like, he could, he's like, oh, what, there's nobody here? It's oh. in a very quiet, I know the neighbor in Clement Street. Yeah, look, he's running away. It drives <laughs> off, but then it pulls over, you'll see, and it's hazard lights. Get yeah, scared. It's, it's like, wait a minute, he needs to rethink his uh, position. It's like, it is like something out of Candid Camera, isn't it? It's very strange. But that company it's is worth funny. $30 billion. The company that... that, that the manufacturer. Uh, the manufacturer, yeah. Who, and, uh, wow. and they said that they're, they, they're going to set a new standard in safety mm. once they figure out how to tell them. What the are they called? Um, well, well, they're crew. Uh, Bolt? They're called uh, no. Bolt is the name of the car. Oh, okay. they're yeah, called Cruise. Yeah. Wow. And um, again, I think well, that'll be everyone. I mean, we'll all be in driverless cars within five years. Well, I kind of hope so, to be honest. Having taken my daughter out for driving lessons this week, you know, it's one of the most <laughs> Will you be all right? Nerve-wracking. Sorry. 
you'll be you'll feel safe in a car where you're, that you're not driving. Driving a car, yeah, I would do. Yeah, again, it's very similar to the AI algorithms that hire people. I know it sounds a bit counterintuitive. You're just but so excited fine. about this, aren't you? I no, the humans are you incredibly. You don't want to do anything. Humans are error-ridden. We're very. Flawed. We don't want to hire anybody. Broken. You don't want to drive. You don't want to be judged in the court. You two law. are going to be replaced by a couple of extraordinarily <laughs> pliant. I already have sex <laughs> The yearly Daily Mail outrage generator is the Turner Prize, Josh, and I think this year I have to. Agree with the outrage, I have to say. Oh, wait, you don't agree? You don't like well, the Well, you've seen that thing in the, the in Trafalgar Square. That's yeah, the, the whipped made cream. I, I think we have a photo of that as well. Um, it's a, Yeah, it's basically on the plinth. There's a whipped cream and there's a fly on it. It's got a fly and a and drone I, on it. I don't know what that... I mean, the drone is what ruins it for me. I like the fly, <laughs> I like the cherry... Mm. But just having this kind of drone, that, that for me doesn't make sense. I, in, in principle, we used to go to, there it is, we used to go to uh, sculpture parks and see that kind of outdoor stuff. And in principle, I used to think it was a great idea. And I realised just after a while, it just isn't. They never work outdoors. They're great in the first week, and then there's a bit of rain and a bit of bird droppings mm. on them. And they just look scuffed and a bit yeah. sad after a while. And you just think, who left that out? In an art gallery, I'm sure it might have been a completely different thing. But there is a reason why brass and bronze and stone have stood the test of time as, as outdoor mm. statuary. Well, it's, uh, I, I just like reading these articles. I always like how the artists sort of describe their work. And this was all about, it's a quantum thought experiment, yes. that oh, one. No. Uh, well, that also, one, the one we just saw was. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, that someone else's work. Their work realizes fictional narratives to describe live realities of desire, identification, and consciousness. And that's what I yeah. thought when I saw it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, you know what, this work realizes fictional narratives to describe live realities of desire, identification, consciousness. So it's like, it literally read my mind. It's amazing. <laughs> they travel the length and breadth of the country, uh, taking advantage of the easing of lockdown to enjoy the explosion of creativity. Is that system. her there? Uh, I, I guess I it is. It was, yeah, it's biggest. Yeah. I mean, those are better. If I saw those in a, in a market square where there are market and a history of fruit, those are all right. Okay, like, do you, you mean like a, to buy them? Yeah, I'd like to give them a squeeze. No, I mean, as a celebration of a culture or something. That, that you know, it, oh, this is a place where fruit and veg have been sold for years. Well, it's like it's, yeah, a celebration it's an international of fruit and veg. Fruit and veg. Yeah. It's lovely. It's like stand up, though. That thing in, in yeah, you Trafalgar can't say that it's bad. It's, it's art. It already is art. It just doesn't appeal to you. That's no, like. that's not true. I refuse to accept that. There are objective standards of beauty and truth and achievement in art, and we knew that. We knew that for centuries. And then but not all art away. is beautiful either, though. Marcel Duchamp presents a urinal at an art gallery for, like, a joke, and the next hundred years have just been footnotes to that. Can we get back to making things that are nice to stare at, nicer than a lump of dog poop? But if you go to Norfolk, which you brought up earlier, people are very proud to tell you that the, the public urinal was invented there. It's a big part of their lives. So yeah. maybe they would find it beautiful to see that in our gallery. They'd, they'd feel stimulated and, and inspired in some way. Yeah. Are, you, are you telling me that the urinal was invented in Norfolk? That's it's not was. true. It is true. The urinal is like a universal. The, well, the British urinal, the way that it's portrayed here in this country, was... Right. Invented in Norfolk. Okay. Not Marcel Duchamp's fountain. No, I did a documentary. Stuff, okay. <laughs> I, did a I know my urinals. I do not like the way this is going here. Patriarchy <laughs> strikes again, this time in the form of 19th century oil painting Scots. There's this wonderful second story to uh, support my Such aesthetic. a beautiful painting, this Monet. Mm. The male gaze in a Monet masterpiece has been highlighted by their cultural gallery after curators feel like it might be a misogynistic, misogynistic description of the art itself. Yeah. We've had the painting, maybe. You see, it's very, everyone's seen it. It, it. It's a barmaid who's staring right in front of her. And you can see the man behind her in the reflection of the mirror looking at her. Yeah. And you're more drawn to her because she's on the center of the painting. Whoa! 
Oh, she's fit. Yeah, she is. <laughs> it's and quite it, a funny picture because it's an odd angle. It I think that's what it's beautiful. more famous I mean, for. You know, yeah. It, it feels like you're, it feels like you're behind his eyes looking at her. Yeah. And if you notice uh, that he's the painter has hidden her cleavage with a bouquet of flowers. Mm. Tasteful. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, very tasteful. CIA. It's, and it, yeah, it, it's it, it was in a venue where ladies of the night kind of displayed their wares. So yeah. You're wondering, you know, what is actually her role? What is he actually saying to her? And the gallery itself worries that by calling it the male gaze, it focuses you on him mm. and not her. Yeah. And they want the focus to be on her. Although it's up to really the viewer where they put yeah. their focus. But I always looked at that picture it. and I always thought it was rep, like, reminded me of working in a bar and how you just mm. hear the same boring stuff from people. Mm. It, it's, just one sort of, of, it's like one of those indulge, pictures they use on the internet when to, to, to uh, illustrate a story in which a man is being boorish, isn't it? Like mansplaining. You remember yeah. there's that one where the a old fellow is looking over... Yeah. The girl's yeah, yeah. over on the, the train. The train yeah. 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 But the yeah. gallery is spending $57 million to refurbish the description of their paintings. Wow. $57 million. I would have done it for on, tenor. On the description? Well, it says a refurbishment uh, on the labeling of all its paintings, a three-year project that's costing oh, $57 million. And there's another painting of Monet's that's very famous, too, called Olympia. And you may have seen it. It's, it's a, a, a lady in bed, practically naked, to hear this, mm. and her... Uh, I guess at the time her servant standing behind her. And they worry that the um, painting itself kind of uh, overshadows the importance of the black lady in that art. And, and she kind of sidelines her, they say. Mm -hmm. And they want to find a way to describe it so that that person, that painting, is not sidelined. Do you know what I would do in this? I do think that notes they put next to paintings in galleries are important. And there's been a lot of talk recently about them trying to reinvent, you know, for a woke generation, there was a Hogarth exhibition, I think, in which all the cartoons were discussed in terms of the imperial source of the wood that made the chair that the old woman was falling off in her gin stupor. I think they should crowdsource this stuff. You know, if you ever go into mm. Waterstones Bookshop, for instance, there's like shelf after shelf yeah. of books, and mm. they and the people who work there. Well, those are the best bits. They're yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. It's so interesting. They're meaningful. You know, somebody has read the book and had an honest reaction, has written a note, and you can ignore it, but it's useful and it's a personal. It would be good to get different perspectives. Yeah, like, you can have is, half a dozen. You can have the you? colonial perspective, and you can have you can have those different things, and then see which one you kind of agree with. Anytime you go to the National Gallery, you pick up a postcard at the end, and you write down your thoughts on a page that struck you and you, uh, you, I think, think you're onto a work. winner. The gallery is also worried about, they were talking about Schools Gauguin's. Schools could do it. Well, they're worried about, it's interesting you said because they, they're worried about Gauguin's works being interpreted in a way where they don't, where people don't notice that he's taking advantage mm. of his position as a colonizer. But when I was studying in art school, when I was, you know, 18, we, they were telling us all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not new. You can't yeah. miss it looking at the art. No. You see it right there. It's, it's very clear, yeah. We aren't one for trigger warnings here at Great British Gosh. News, but this one is grim, Josh. This is the grimmest story I've seen. I've I done. love this story. Here, this. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I was reading the story just being like, ah! It's so sweet, this, this story. <laughs> There's a body snatcher in Russia, I'd say. Thank God he's in Russia. Mm. Been, they're talking about letting him out because he had a mummified remains. So he, is a body snatcher? Can we define that? So he'd stolen these, these children's bodies, girls' bodies, from 3 to 12 or something like that, like 29 girls in total, stolen them from graves mm. and had sort of mummified them and made them into these doll. It's, it's, it's really... Mittens on them. They were cold. Yeah. So this is presumably he gets these bodies fresh, pretty yeah, fresh. I yeah, I guess so. And then... and his, You and can't mummify after... They look pretty... I saw the photos. Like, yeah. They look pretty good. You saw the, Yeah, I couldn't look at the photos. I, 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 uh, I'm, very, I'm a bit of a wimp like this stuff. <laughs> uh, but, he's, but basically they're talking about letting them out to... Uh, friends 
or relatives. I'm thinking, how good a friend do you have to be to take this guy? He didn't murder anybody, but no. I mean, this is some freaky, it's just crazy. horrible he put lipstick weird. on them, and he, he he laid them in a position that he could... Gave them birthday parties. Yeah, little parties. And put, he laid next to them, and he chatted with them, mm. and put socks Did Dennis Nielsen do that with his victims? You have them sat next to him on the, on the couch watching TV shows with him? I've, he had yeah. actually killed them. I've never... Dahmer Dahmer did. Dahmer I've never been one of those people who's who into... Dahmer. It might have been Dahmer, yeah, yeah. He, he, he kept company. Yeah. They're lonely, these people. That's why they do it. Yeah, but he lives with it. His mum said, we saw these dolls but did not suspect there were dead bodies He's inside. that close away from the Turner Prize. <laughs> Telegraph now. Social media may be a suicide factor. Spray some whipped cream on them with a cherry oh. on top and he'll win. <laughs> um, yes, apparently, um, uh, Sajid... Javid is very worried, the health secretary, mm. about us. Uh, apparently, there's been a, there hasn't been, there's been no spike in suicides. And in fact, I looked it up, mm. the suicide rate in 2020 right. was lower than 2019. Mm. But he's concerned about the bullying, about the way people are attacking one another online. And he's just concerned that that is leading to people committing suicide in this country. Yeah. I mean, Britain's still very low on the suicide rate compared to other countries. Mm -hmm. South Korea being very high, Lesotho being high, the US being high. But he's, Concerned with what he's seeing, mm. especially particularly the suicide rate among men, particularly men between 45 and 49, mm. uh, where the suicide rate is highest in this country. Three quarters of men, people who commit suicide, are men. Which is yes, more women attempt it apparently, but they fail. Well, more free be a better shot. Avoid doing some jokes. Now. I, I uh, do. I do agree with you that even though the suicide rate is low, and it, we always say it's the biggest killer of men under fifty, and that mm. represents the extraordinary uh, improvements in health that we have. You know, that there's virtually nothing else now that threatens young men under fifty. Mm. But you do have to be very careful and data-driven, I think, with these things, because there is a tendency with social media, people just think, oh, it must be causing suicide, it must be making people depressed, mm. because it's very easy when you see members of your family endlessly checking their phone to think that is driving me insane. It must be driving them insane. Well, some of it is but people gambling online and losing all their does. money. And, yeah, of course, and they that's gambling. So, and then they say, oh, they killed themselves online because of social media. Well, actually, it's because they have a gambling Well, thing. exactly. I mean, my daughter, for instance, you know, 17 years old, she's got Instagram and everything, and yeah. I think, oh, God, I've got to be careful. Has she got body image problems? Yeah. It's very supportive. All her friends kind of go, oh, you look gorgeous, babe. You know, yeah, there's yeah. this constant web of interconnected... And I, 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 I'm always concerned when the government wants to kind of take control of the internet, and I'm yeah. always worried if what they're really after is censoring. I absolutely agree. We saw that with the Amos thing, of course. Let's be having ya, is not a phrase. Delia Smith is hearing from publishers regarding her new book, Josh. Uh, this is unbelievable, yeah. In The Guardian, um, she wants to publish a book. She's gone, she was rejected by six publishers. She's written a book about spirituality, and she sold 21 million cookbooks and now yep. she wants to sort of pivot but really uh, she's sort of going up the sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs so she's dealt with the bottom level and now she wants to go straight to the top of the pyramid and the top is spirituality spirituality yeah okay. and uh sense of belonging yeah, yeah. And, and all okay. that stuff so um but how risk averse to, is publishing at the moment <laughs> if they're not going to publish someone who sold 21 million well maybe books? they know that maybe they can see that she'll be seen as a fraud well maybe you know i mean how many people out there are it might hit the yeah. sales that they already have ticking over for her cookbook. I'm sure that there are some people who would buy it out of interest. To Remember hear. when um, Arthur Conan Doyle developed a keen interest in spirituality, partly because his son was killed in the First World War, but it was a... Um, and he was a hallucinogen. Yeah, I think he, would, he was kind of... He went a bit crazy, but he was absolutely adamant towards the end of his life that Sherlock Holmes had not been a significant contribution to world culture, that his important work would come to be seen as his exploration of the veil. I mean, I, 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 I interviewed Vivian Westwood once, and she wanted to talk about her manifesto. And the audience wanted to hear about the shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know?
People never know what they're famous for, do they? Mm. More egg recipes, Delia. On to a story that is dear to your heart, Scott. This is Brazilians and Viagra. Well, Bolsonaro faces stiff questioning over Brazil's... Ah, hey, Guardian, well done. The Brazilian <laughs> army's Viagra purchase. Apparently, the Brazilian army is purchasing over 30,000 pills, hmm. 30,000 Viagra, and they're claiming that it's to treat pulmonary hypertension. Oh. But, uh, but the Navy... It, it was initially developed for, and then it found out that the, the like long-lasting so erection for a side effect yeah. or something. That's what I use yeah. it for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, but carry on, yeah. I, I use it to accompany my weed in Berlin, but anyway, yes. Um, on there, the metro. Yeah, <laughs> while I'm online cruising. Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, the country's armed forces have been splashing on tens of thousands for impotence pills, and people are wondering why Bolsonaro hasn't uh, stopped this, because he says that mm. my military, the words he uses uh, in Portuguese equal uh, their flaccid proof, and they're unfloppable. Right. That's, and he claims he, that about himself. He doesn't want to hear that his military require any kind of medical assistance. They but, are... Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Mostly, mo obviously, most of the people taking it are young, and it, it's a party drug for I'm, young people. I'm just yeah. annoyed that they didn't do a pun about attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask... I've, I, I don't know whether they mean it seriously. Are you interested in... Is your partner Brazilian or something? Is yeah. That, was it? yeah, your husband. Yeah. It, has Brazil become as fascist as everyone expected? Because Bolsonaro, there was a, that was some big headlines when he came in, right? Well, yeah, I don't know about fascist, but he has, he's very controlling. He's a military leader himself. I think he'd like, he, he encourages a coup mm. to happen. He's rolled the tanks through Brasilia a couple of times. Right. He's a, he's a self-described misogynist and homophobe. Yeah. He's... But is that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, or is that kind no, of... No, he has slapped women on camera and told them they were too ugly to molest. So Ooh. I don't think... There's nothing tongue-in-cheek. I don't think he's... he's no. I don't think he's smart enough to understand irony, have some humor about himself. Okay. And um, his health is quite poor, so when he brags about being flaccid-proof... Yeah, he got the coronavirus, didn't he? He did. And it, it hit him harder than Trump. <laughs> and he... It really took him down a couple of pegs, too, yeah. health-wise. I think that he's concerned about the election which is coming up. When is that? This year? It's, it's quite soon, yeah. Okay, I, I think be he's worried. I, although there's very little opposition, unfortunately, in the left to him, kind of like yeah. this country. Yeah. Speaking of flaccid, the left is just useless there. There is a country that I think could do with some environmental support. What do you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sting Sorry. was correct, wasn't he? Well, that's what <laughs> we have time for. That's it? Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.